This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now there has been much talk about a united Ireland in recent times and just a fortnight ago the Irish Times published a poll. It's very well sourced and researched poll and it was done by people who have no vested interests in the outcome either way. The question was how people felt about a united Ireland. The answer made the lead headline in the Irish Times. The poll found that a clear majority of two to one among voters who declared a preference in the North were against unity. By contrast, nearly two thirds of all voters in the South said they would back it. There have been other things about flags and anthems and stuff like that as well. And What's clear when you read these polls, these polls, in fact, the Irish Times run a series of findings from these polls, is that there isn't much agreement on the question of a united Ireland. Frank Connolly, one of our greatest journalists, who's investigative journalism on the planning corruption in Ireland, led to two tribunals. Frank has written a book. It's called United Nation, The Case for integrating Ireland. Frank, thank you very much for joining us on The Stand. Thank you. The first thing I I want to say is a fascinating book because you've spoken to a wide range of people, not all of them United Irelanders, shall we say. But I wonder what you made of this recent poll or series of polls in the Irish Times, which show really rather deep divisions between the people in the north, including Catholic people in the north, and people down here? Yeah, I think the polls um, and indeed the work that's being done by by Aaron's, this Aaron's yes. project, analysing um, and research north and, north and south, is very, very important work. Um, I think the detail in th- this series of polls and uh, focus groups that they've done also north and south are throwing up issues that we will have to grapple and deal with. The key about it is, the key issue here is that there has to be referendums on Irish unity as a result of what was agreed in the Belfast Good Friday Agreement of 1998. And we're hitting the 25th anniversary of that agreement next year. As a result of that agreement, there is a provision that there should be referendums on unity when it seems like a majority in the North would vote uh, for leaving the UK and for United Ireland. So 
in that sense, there has to be preparation before these polls or before the, these referendums. And this sort of analysis, research and work is absolutely essential. Yes. And if you look at the detail of the polls, I'm not surprised and incidentally by any of the findings. Um, they, they actually tie in with, with what I, the research I've done myself uh, over the last three or four years. And I've also found it what's very significant is the detail um, in terms of preferences that people have, for instance, about you know wanting to remain or to rejoin the the, the European Union, voters in the north, and the, the considerations over flags and emblems, um, and most importantly, the fact that people both north and south, uh, by a clear majority, um, agree to the holding of these referendums, but also most importantly, agree that there has to be detailed preparation and that people should know what they're voting for when the day comes. And that really goes back to the heart of your question, because at the moment, the opinion polls that are being done now are based on a very unclear, opaque uh, view of what what actually they might be asked uh, in when this referendum comes around. Yes, one interesting result published in your book was the fact that in 2000, David O'Sullivan, a former career diplomat, who also served as EU ambassador to the US. You talked to him Mm -hmm. and he became Secretary General of the European Commission. And O'Sullivan agrees, as you put it, that the decision of the Council of Ministers in Europe in 2017 to allow a unified Ireland to immediately have membership of the EU was very significant. And it clearly was. And, And I think for the first time that I can recall... You praise Enda Kenny, <laughs> or rather, you have O'Sullivan praising Enda Kenny in the aftermath of the Brexit referendum. He got this guarantee from the EU that the reunification of Ireland would not need to be considered as the accession of a new country to the EU. There's no accession process yeah. and no question about our right to join. That would be significant to some extent, but. The major problem, Frank, that I think your book acknowledges is that the many of the people living in the North regard themselves as British. And how do you, as it were, get them to think otherwise? And the Aaron's poll you refer to and the Irish Times have published, I think the University of Notre Dame as well is involved in this, showing two to one among voters in the North, including many Catholic voters in the North, are, are against the idea of, of unity. Yeah, in today's uh, findings that are published today, actually, from the poll and, and, and the focus groups, they, they're talking about the resistance of people who identify as British theory in the North, which is still a, a sizable, um, if not a majority of the people there, may resist becoming Irish citizens in the event of a unity referendum. Yes. Or a referendum in support of unity, north and south. So there's clearly huge issues there. There is another finding, though, that I think interrogates that in a way, which is the numbers of people in the north who would strongly oppose, in other words, find it almost possible, is the wording of it, to accept. Now, that, that figure is around 18%. Um, which is, and about a third of Protestant voters, um, 
But more than half, if you look at the, the actual figures, over 60%, 68% or thereabouts, um, in asked the same question, would accept, however reluctantly, the findings of a referendum. And that really is where the starting point has to be. And I'll give you another two examples without getting bogged down on the figures because opinion polls come and go. Yes, they do matter, though. Two it, one, that figure of, of two to one, you know, has not been borne out. It's been more, it's been closer to, to 60-40 or, or, sorry, it's been closer to sort of 52 in some polls. But leaving that aside, these polls are very important. But the point I'm making is, if you look at the figure of people who supported Britain remaining in the EU in the referendum yeah. in 2016 in the North, it was about 56%. If you look at the figure in the last elections in the North of people who support parties that go along with the Northern Ireland Protocol in its present form, yeah. it's about 56% as well. So my point is, firstly, there have to be referendums. Secondly, those referendums can take place every seven years under the terms of the Good Friday Agreement. In other words, if, there's a, if, if, if it's refused the first time around, and in my view, I don't think there should be a referendum unless it's going to pass. But if it's refused, and then you have on top of that the political, demographic, and the situation, for instance, in the UK itself, with Scotland possibly yes. voting for... So all of these factors will come into play. That's the point I'm making. And that's why the interviews are so diverse in the book. Yes, and, and very the book is much stronger for that, Frank. The other question I have to ask you is about when the Good Friday Agreement suggests a United Ireland poll has to take place. It's the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland who has mm -hmm. to decide when there is a majority in the North who might vote for United Ireland. Now, obviously, we won't have this shocking right-wing Tory mess forever. But <laughs> I can't imagine the present Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, who's a hard-right member of the European Research Group, mm -hmm. Chris Heaton-Harris. I can't imagine him in any circumstances agreeing to a poll. But... What? And he has said as much. He has said as much. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, they, these are the headbangers, yeah. and hopefully they'll recede. I mean, they are literally regarded by even to other Tories as headbangers. But to get to the mm. heart of the matter, it's this. I, I did an interview with Billy Hutchinson not so long ago, and we spoke about these things. And he said, look, Eamon, I'm British. I was born British, and I'll always be British. You know that attitude, don't you? He's a loyalist. Yep. And there's a lot of, a large number of people in the North with that view. And you'd expect that. First question is, how do you get over that, Frank, in a United Ireland scenario? I think the key issue here is that, at first, going back to the, to the British government uh, that you raised, the British government in its current format and given its current chaotic situation, as you know, as you, as you, as you described, um, is not ready. Um, and of, of course, there is no indication that those conditions exist anyway um, in, yes. in the current situation for a majority to vote for unity in the North. But they also recognise that this is something that's coming down the tracks because, as we've already said, because of the, the Good Friday Agreement. There's a couple of issues in, in terms of Britain. One, it's not just the Tories, but the Labour Party will resist um, a referendum in Scotland 
uh, yes. which I believe would, would have to precede any referendums in Ireland. Two, I don't think it'll be a Secretary of State decision on his own, obviously. It'll be a, a British government discussion yes, and decision. Yes. And that'll be done in cooperation with the with the Irish government at whatever time that is in within the next, in my view, within the next decade. But thirdly, the Labour Party in Britain are worried because if they don't have the SNP in Westminster following a, a, a decision of the Scottish people to, to, to leave the UK, then they'll find it more difficult to form a majority government. government. Yes. Yeah. So all of those factors are coming into play. So going back to the to the point of Billy Hutchinson, an interview I did in the book, which is published in the book, is with Tom Winston. Tom Winston is a former UVF man who was convicted with Billy Hutchinson yes. for the killing of two young Catholic men uh, right. back in the early 70s. And Tom Winston takes a different view to Billy Hutchinson. He's a community worker in the Shanker Road and he believes that what what loyalists and loyalist working class people want to do is one no longer depend or be driven by um, some of the demented politics of the of the DUP. They yes. do not believe that working class loyalists should be forced uh, to, to to dance to the tune of of the DUP. If you don't yes. mind the expression, and and we can see where where the DUP have been have been digging a hole deeper and deeper, and indeed. In the book, there's a narrative there which follows the Brexit negotiations from the time I started writing the period, which is 2020, and covered the COVID crisis and how that impacts on this debate. And I think that shows the gradual and deepening disintegration, in a way, of of, of the DUP. They had three leaders in, in the course of as many weeks back in 2021. Including Edwin Poots. Including Mr. Poots. Um, the world was founded 4,000 years ago. Exactly, something. exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, those those are issues that loyalist uh, working class people are not going to be led by the nose. No. And what Thomas Tommy Winston says is, yes, I am a British citizen, and Linda Irvine is a, another uh, young Protestant woman, or Protestant woman who's been, who's been grappling with this discussion and prepared to discuss the, the idea of United Ireland. And their big questions are, what will the health service look like? What will my pensions be like? Yes. What job possibilities we have? How are we going to dent loyalist kids into longer term education? And that's what the book looks at. Yes. What are the obstacles to people in loyalist communities making that leap down the road with, if they can see that the prospects for their children and grandchildren may be better served in a, a united Ireland within the European Union and indeed uh, with other advantages that, that they don't have at the moment. So British identity... And, and this is another, and this is the crucial issue, I agree with you. British identity held by a significant number of Protestants, mainly in the North, but not exclusively Protestants, is something that people will hold onto and hold onto dearly. Yes. But it is not necessarily everything, because what's everything is the quality of your, of your childcare, of your children's education, of your health service. And in Ireland, we have going on to an issue that you uh, talk about a lot, we have two dysfunctional health services in yes. the country, north and south. My personal view is, and I do express in the book, and I did, I talked to people like Gabriel Scully, um, John Crown and other health specialists who also are, are open to discussing, they don't agree with everything, but they're open to discussing the prospect of an all-island health service, yes. which in the light of our, break, of our pandemic experience of COVID-19 makes a lot more sense than what we have at the moment, which is two dysfunctional ones. So yes. it's all of those discussions, and that's 
Uh, that's what I think Billy Hutchinson, of course he's not going to change. And I don't think we should expect unionists not to be unionists anymore. Yes. It's how how we, we, we prepare the future on the island together. And and what we call ourselves, what flag we have, what anthem we sing, to me they're, they're minor details. Well, that's important though, isn't it? I mean, uh-huh. I read your interview with Mary Lou MacDonald and she made a rather good joke actually. She said, as long as it's not Ireland's call. <laughs> I, I, I tend to go along with that one. I'd be uh-huh. happy. I'd be happy. But just to, to go back to the Brexit referendum in Britain, uh-huh. Frank, I mean... The Leave side got 52, the Remain side got 48. It was very, very, very close, a point either way, you know? And I would say now, if you held that poll today, the Remainers would win because Brexit has clearly been harmful to Britain. And I think most people, particularly workers and nurses and train drivers, they understand how badly they're governed. So the, the mood is right to reassess everything. The question we have to answer, Frank, is is about our own health service, our own education service, and our own housing and lack of housing. In other words, this place, when you look at it with a cold eye, is a bit of a dump for people, particularly working-class people who suffer, who can't get into hospitals, who can't get homes, And it's not just working class people who are suffering now from not being able to access what should be a right almost, or at least a given. If you're a nurse or a teacher, Frank, and you can't get an apartment. And I'm very familiar with it um, and I'm involved in the housing campaigns, but um, I think... I think that again is this it's it's the same point in we're we're around long enough to know that they're not going to the way the system is being run and operated and let's take the health system and indeed the housing crisis this is a generated crisis this didn't come from nowhere no they have mismanaged our health service over decades they have treated nurses um so badly that most of them are an awful lot of them want to leave the country. Uh, We're meanwhile recruiting nurses in India. Even this week, the HSE has ads in Indian newspapers to bring nurses from there. We have a housing crisis that was generated because the the big parties decided that they'd let the market, the private sector, deal with housing and then stop building social housing, which you and I know was the bulwark of working class living conditions for so many generations. Even in the poorest times, governments were building houses. So we now know... We do know what's 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 wrong, and we also know that it's that in certainly my view it's soluble. These things can be resolved, but I don't believe we have to, we should have to wait or should wait until we get perfection in our housing system in oh, the sure. south yeah. and in our health system. And equally, we have to get perfection in our health system in the north. I don't believe it's possible. This actually creates an opportunity, and this is be going perhaps beyond. Um, it, it, Michael D. Higgins has talked about this in the interview I did for him and other people yes. that we actually can create a, we, we have an opportunity to create a better country in, in given that we are now looking at the models of United Ireland and we're starting a conversation about what's possible so yeah. in my view I, I agree with you those are the issues if, if we can't deliver and pro- make that promise to, to the next generation, including Protestants in Northern Ireland and indeed many other people in Northern Ireland, well, then we're wasting our time. It has to be something new. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today... 
We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's start with the title of your book, The Case for Integrating Ireland, uh-huh. rather than Uniting Ireland. There is another, I mean, I think Michal Martin has set up this idea or touted the idea and set up some groups the around island, you know, yeah, yeah. an agreed or shared island. Mm. Do you believe that that could be a kind of bridge? And if you do believe that, is that the way to go? Or, and I get this from Sinn Féin, who may lead the next government, that they want it now and they want it quick. Yeah, I, d- they I don't the actually... Poll. They yeah, want yeah, the border yeah. poll. They want it now and they want it quick. No messing. I'm not sure if they do. I think certainly that was the, 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 the rhetoric a couple of years ago. Uh, I do believe, however, that, and it's not just Sinn Féin, there's quite a growing movement within the Catholic, let's say, nationalist, both working class and middle class people in the North who are very, very frustrated, for instance, yeah. at the continual collapse of their of their executive and their assembly, their their so-called power sharing structures. Yeah. They're continually frustrated at the failures of their own state to yeah. deal with everyday issues. So that's mirrored down here in, in different ways. But the point I'm making is, and I think Sinn Féin, the, the, the big question here is, this is not a Sinn Féin project. Sinn Féin cannot do this, certainly not on their own. No. Sinn Féin, of course, is wedded to, to, to the objective of United Ireland, and that's fine, but so is Fianna Fáil, indeed, uh, and other parties. What the Shared Island Unit, which Michal Martin set up when he came in as Taoiseach in 2020, it sets out a series of areas of cooperation 
And that's all fine. In their, and they're doing research in, in health, cross-border health projects and cooperation, cross-border education. Um, the women's movement have been have been organising through the National Women's Council on on cooperating on projects um, north and south across the border, in particular on border in border areas. All of these things are good, but actually, it was IBEC, and this is this is the bigger picture that I would paint for you. IBEC, for instance, when they heard about the Shared Island Initiative of a 500 million investment in road projects, including ones that were delayed, like the Derry Dublin Road, um, other infrastructure um, that that came out of the Shared Island Unit proposal, they said no, it should be a billion, and it should be a billion now because we need to develop our all island economy. Yes. So the employers actually, and indeed the trade unions have also come on board in their most recent um, biennial conferences of Congress. North and South, this is a, an all-island trade union movement, have argued that preparation should begin now so that working people are not left behind in this whatever process develops around this uh, preparation for unity in the next number of years. You also have the ESRI doing really fundamental research showing the levels, for instance, of life expectancy in the South are higher than the North. This is this was different than 20, 30 years ago. Yes. Um, per capita income is higher. Productivity, which is a key uh, marker, is higher in the South. Of course, that, that's tied in with our um, inward investment. So, what we're looking at now is preparing, and this is exactly what the Shared Island Unit talks about. I'm not sure how fast it's moving, and a lot of people think it's not moving fast enough, but it's talking about all-island energy. We have that to an extent. All-island transport systems, we need to, we need to link the country better. Yes. Cork to Donegal would take you about three days if you, were, if you were to think about getting it by public transport. Yeah. Um, I'm exaggerating a bit, but there's no linkage between Donegal, for instance, and, uh, and no proper transport links, uh, all of those stuff, all of those things, and particularly to help border areas, hospital cooperation between Derry and Donegal is happening, but it's yes. not happening between other parts of, of the north and hospitals in the south. Um, so those are the, 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 you're exactly right. That is the sort of work that needs to be done over the next five, ten years in advance of any referendum, along with the preparations for the sort of stuff that the Aaron's Project are, are talking about in the newspapers, which is, well, t- I'll give you a key example. They refer, and I mean, it's interesting, they use the title of my book, the word Integrating Ireland, and they yes. use that to describe a unitary state with a yes. single government. And they, thought, they then talk about a devolved government, and most unionists in the latest uh, survey they did in the last couple of days, uh, or the details that were published in the last couple of days, show that unionists would prefer their devolved government. In other words, keep things as much as they are like yes. now in the North. Okay. And and, and, and against, while most people in the Republic are, are, are supported integra- an integrated or unitary model. Now, Brendan O'Leary, who carries out this research with John Gary, both of them had, and I published these detail, details in the book, in 2019, they had about 50 people in a sort of a focus group or a mini uh, citizens assembly type of setup in the North, Protestant and Catholic equally from different communities and, uh, you know, different gender, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And in the first half of the of the discussion, they came out with the proposal, and particularly the Protestants who participated, saying, um, or those from a Protestant background, uh, saying that, no, they'd like to keep their devolution and their structures in the north. By the time they debated the consequence of that, at the end of the day, they actually decided, no, it would be better. Why? Because at the moment, 
Firstly, not to mind the fact that they are dysfunctional and have never operated properly for longer than a few years, these, these structures in the yes. north, because of the community divisions. But secondly, as time goes on, Protestants and those from a Protestant background and Unionist background are more likely to be, they'll certainly be in a minority in an all-island situation, yes. but they may actually be in a minority the way things are going within the, the, the north as yes. it exists now. Well, that's so a, it's actually yeah. not in the interest necessarily for the Protestant, those from a Protestant background politically to be represented in a in a devolved uh, situation where they're in a minority, which in turn is answerable to a to a larger um, uh, polity in, 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 let's say, based in Dublin or wherever it happens to be, the national parliament. So all of these things need to be teased out. That's the point of making. Yeah, and I just, I interviewed Bertie Hearn not so oh. long ago when he thought at the time he was talking about an All-Ireland a border poll, really, before 2030. Mm -hmm. And you just said there a few months ago, within possibly 10 years, which is only a three-year difference, but the point, I suppose, the question for you, Frank, given the, the research you've put into this, which is really impressive, how important is time scale here and bridges being built during that time scale if you if you follow I, I, I would put I think it is the key question and my view is um, that you have to decide a date or a deadline or else the political yes. system and the civil service yes. will not do anything right they will leave everything on the back burner and that it would be a disaster because if we ended up with a British Secretary of State in five years time and indeed some unionists are arguing we should have it now so they think they have a better chance of it becoming you know of, of tying it down that the you know that they, they remain in the UK for the foreseeable yeah. until the next referendum comes around in seven or whatever years I think it sh we should know not only what we'll be voting for but when we will be doing it and yeah. that is because if you don't focus people and you don't set up the necessary civic society, citizens' assembly models. If you don't intensify the research, if you don't get the civil service, look, look at look at the job of, of bringing together the administration of, of two administrations into one. Yes. In the longer run, look at the Department of Finance, who are horrified probably by the idea of having to consider, you know, an all island social welfare system. That's our yes. biggest public spending is in social welfare. Look at bringing together the health services now. My view, an island of 8 million people with a single health service, a single secularised education system where the church is removed in, in, across the island. And this is something that there's a movement going in that direction. In health, the care proposals down here are effectively like an NHS that exists in the north. And they are being blocked, oh, that's, that's Frank, the plan. As, as I'm sure you know. Of course, of the, course. The, the care project is, is terrific. And, really, and it's a model, it's a national yes. health service model. And so therefore, that's what we should be working on. There is going to be political and there's going to be vested interests blocking all of these developments. Look at a, a united judiciary, a, a single judiciary. What I'm saying is, if you don't, because we know this is going to happen, the time is to start right. preparing now. And it's within, the when I mean within a decade, I think, I think it's possible that we will get what we want to get if we do the work, but you can't keep, keep pushing the can down the road and hoping that it won't happen. Okay, Frank. Well, I would say to people, it's a fascinating book. It's called United Nation, The Case for Integrating Ireland. The author is Frank Connolly. Frank was a brilliant investigative journalist who caused two tribunals to be set up. He is now Director of Communications with SIP2, 
and of course an author of a number of books, in fact, and you can get it and read it and think through what Frank and the people he interviews, many of whom are fascinating, have to say about this project, which is probably the most important project yet to be fulfilled. Frank, thank you very much for joining us on The Stand. Thank you, Eamon. You nailed it there. It is the biggest project, potentially. There's no question about it, Frank. We're grateful to Frank, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20 plus sports activities wellness programs you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family so book your next getaway with club med visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor